You're listening to Every Good Thing, a podcast where we talk about Jesus in the Book of Mormon and try to build and strengthen sincere connections with Christ. My name is Josh Putnam, and I love talking about Jesus and the hope that we can find in him. Hello, welcome into the show. I am Josh, and this is a podcast where we talk about the Book of Mormon. This is an introductory podcast. Um, for those who have never read it, or those who have and just, you know, want to talk about some basic things from the book. Uh, I think sometimes we get away from the basics and and we can, uh, and uh, I think that, that it's important to refocus sometimes and remember what is at the core and what is most important um, and, and to keep it simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate things and get into the deep dark mysteries and and I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that um I think that that certainly has its place but um the gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to be simple it it is simple and it's meant to be simple um so that anyone and everyone can understand it and um and benefit from and utilize it and accept it accept him and be able to to receive salvation it's supposed to be simple so um, anyway, th- this is just, this is meant to be kind of an introductory podcast. So today we're going to talk, the first, uh, last episode we talked about, um, um, a lesson, um, that we pulled from Nephi, uh, from the very first, ep- uh, verse of the, of the book in first Nephi chapter one, verse one about his attitude and how he was able to maintain a positive attitude and be happy even through trials and afflictions and some of the things that we could learn from from that um this time in this episode i'm going to talk about a little bit more of the the story kind of uh what what's going on in in the world uh, in their in their world in uh, Jerusalem and it, with Nephi and his family and his father and where what's going on and, and what they're going to do um, so if we're in so we're in first Nephi uh, chapter one again um, and it says that in verse uh, in verse four it says that it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah king of Judah so this is this is roughly 600 BC, like 600 years before Christ, um, and it's the first year of the reign of King Zedekiah, who ends up he's the last king before uh, Jerusalem or or Judah is destroyed by uh, by the um, by Babylon. Um, so he's actually put in place by the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, they have kind of conquered Judah and, and sort of, I don't know, t- taken them into their, you know, a lot, a lot of um, powerful countries, uh, um, nations throughout the world's history would go and conquer different places and sort of like basically... Um, claim them as their own, you know, and take their resources and tax them and all that. 
So that's kind of what had happened here, as far as I understand. I'm not a history uh, historian, so if I got that wrong, uh, then I apologize. But I, I believe it's it's something to something similar to that. But the former king um, was killed, I think, in a in a siege in a, as something, and and so Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, put uh, Zedekiah in as king in Judah. Um, as, as, as far as I understand it. So, um, so continuing on in verse 4, uh, my father Lehi, having dwelt at Jerusalem in all his days, so Lehi has lived in Jerusalem his entire life, um, it says, In that same year there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent, or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. Now, we know one of these prophets is Jeremiah because um, we read about him in the Bible in uh, in Jeremiah and Kings I think uh, and this whole thing is like you're uh, Jeremiah warns King Zedekiah if they don't repent if the people don't repent uh, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed and Zedekiah does not listen and you know what happens uh, Jerusalem is destroyed um, but I find it interesting for one thing that it says many prophets prophesying unto the people at the same time because God cares about his people and and he's gonna speak to whoever will listen whoever will is willing to um, to follow him and to uh, obey him um, uh, serve him and and you know speak to the people uh, uh, to accept a calling of of, of prof a prophecy of, of being a prophet um, and and stand up and speak and call people to repentance or you know preach the gospel in whatever way I think um, that 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 gift can be um, bestowed on anyone who seeks it uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints we believe in prophets and we do kind of have a unique perspective on that in in that we consider there to be one prophet um, that God calls to speak to the entire world in his behalf um, to lead and guide so that there's organization um, within the church and within the world that God is not going to give one message to one person and a completely different message to another person as we do send, tend to see there's a lot of these different message and messages and people claiming to have been have received um, revelation from God and, and it's like these messages conflict and it's confusing so that's that would be the intention for just one person to have, who has the authority to speak um, for God on matters that concern the world as a whole and or what in this case you know he was um, Jeremiah was was a prophet in Jerusalem so he would be speaking to those people in Jerusalem those who were hearing him but in our world today we have such a technology enabled to communicate 
with everybody. So we believe that there is one prophet who has the authority and the calling to speak to the entire world. However, we also believe in the gift of prophecy and that it can be received by anybody and used by anybody in their own station in whatever um, position that they hold and need prophecy or 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 revelation or inspiration for we can be prophets of our own lives and so we say prophet but can just be a person who's inspired by god as well i suppose could could be the gift the gifts of god are are many and he's willing to give them to anybody who seeks them um, diligently and who has faith in him and so i think that's kind of an important thing to point out here so they many prophets came to the land they were prophesying to the people and saying they must repent or jerusalem is going to be destroyed so in verse five we get we we're introduced to lehi this is nephi's father uh says that he went forth uh as he went forth he prayed unto the lord yea even with all his heart in behalf of his people and i that really has struck me the inclusion of all his heart he went forth prayed unto the lord even with all his heart in behalf of his people so he's praying for his people i i've always assumed that this just meant in behalf of all jews all people in jerusalem all of the house of israel you know his people but i've wondered you know maybe it meant his family or his friends or you know his people i don't know because it they were facing and if he was hearing jeremiah prophesy of destruction if there wasn't repentance there would be destruction and he was seeing people who were not repenting and and maybe he was concerned with, about his family i don't something like that i don't know um but with all his heart i think that is important i was in church today and a lady gave a, a sermon or a talk we call them talks um in church worship service um she gave a talk uh, about uh, one one specific part stood out to me that she said she was talking about prayer and and praying um earnestly and sincerely and and with great emotion and 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 i realized there's a difference between a prayer that is you know kind of half-hearted we've all given those prayers i've given them many times um where where it's just we're just kind of saying something maybe we we have like things that we pray for often um we're busy our minds going this way or that way um and we just say a prayer and and we our heart isn't really in it and and that's not it's 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 that doesn't make us bad people or bad christians or bad believers or whatever it just I think that those kind of prayers can't have the effect that a prayer with all our heart has. When we're really engaged, we're really striving to communicate with God and trying to commune with Him and speak with Him, listen to Him. That those are sometimes those are harder to 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 do. Whether we're busy or distracted, we have a lot going on. Like I said, our minds get can distracted. I mean, I, I've dealt with a lot of anxiety throughout my life sometimes it's hard to get your mind to to stop you know spiraling or 
going or thinking about this thing or that thing. So, you know, if you can't seem to get there, then don't beat yourself up. But, um, but I do think that it's important that we learn how to or develop the ability to pray with our, our heart, to pray with all our heart, pray, pray with how we really feel and try to connect there. It's like a uh, conversation that you, I don't know if you've had a conversation with a, just a friend or a person, you know, a human being where you, it's like you're talking and they're talking to you, but there's no real connection there. You're just kind of both saying words. I don't know, maybe you're, you're out, you see someone you know at the store, like, and you say, hey, how's it going? And they say, oh, it's good, how are you? And you say, I'm good. And that's it. Like, and I think we want to mean that question, how are you? But sometimes we don't really, you know, sometimes we just kind of say it, like, how are you? We don't really mean... I mean, we care, right? But it's not, we're, we're not expecting them to, like, say, oh, well, I'm having a tough time with this or whatever, or to have a real deep conversation or deep connection. You know, I think it's that kind of, it's that co comparing that kind of conversation with one that we might have with someone else who that's really deep and connective and, and, and we're able to express some, some serious things and, uh, whether it be pain or joy or whatever and, and we really feel heard and seen and connected and um, I think that we can we can kind of uh, look at prayer the same way it's supposed to be a communication between us and God and um, and if we're not praying if our heart isn't in it it's harder for ha to have a real strong connection now a little note here I know that sometimes I can be sincerely trying to pray with all my heart and and it still feels like there's nothing happening I, that happens that's happened many times to me and i think that's a function of all kinds of different things like i said the anxiety or depression or whatever sometimes it makes that very difficult to feel those um, connections and so again don't beat yourself up if that's not happening for you but but maybe just be aware of of the importance of connecting with him on a heart level uh, even more so than just our, our minds or just our words um so okay let's continue on because he prayed with all his heart and behalf of his people in verse six came to pass that there came a uh, as he prayed unto the lord there came a pillar of fire and dwelt upon a rock before him and he saw and heard much because of the things which he saw and heard, he did quake and tremble exceedingly. I mean, this is a remarkable experience. Now, it, as for those of you who are aware of the um, first vision of, of Joseph Smith, the, the testimony, his testimony of his first vision when he saw God and, and Jesus Christ, it is reminiscent of that, right? This pillar of fire, or, or Joseph. Um, describes it as a pillar of light um and it came and dwelt on a rock before him saw and heard much and we don't know a lot about what he saw and heard in this particular moment but it it was incredible and he says it uh it, it caused him to quake and tremble exceedingly i've always wondered about because you hear the for instance you hear that word that phrase like um to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before God. I don't know if you've, that's in in the Bible. It's in the Book of Mormon as well. It's like, it's a fairly common kind of scriptural 
colloquialism. I mean, it's, it's, it's a phrase that, that we might use. And I've thought sometimes that I've wondered what that really means because truthfully, fear and faith can't coexist. They just, they can't. So, and I don't, and God says, and in, in um, the Bible we learn that um, God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind, right? He doesn't give us fear it, it, because it drives out faith. And so, and we can't really connect with him. We can't receive salvation. We can't receive his gifts um, or his love or it's debilitating to, to be afraid. So I've always thought that, that maybe that means something different. One one idea I've ha- I've heard um, a number of times is that the when it says, talks about fearing God in the in the scriptures, what it what it probably more likely means is um it to be interpreted as um revering god right we're in such awe of him a w e awe because he's awesome because he's unbelievable incredible um powerful but merciful and kind and we're in awe and so we revere him um and so what in a phrase in a in an experience like this, where he says he quake did quake and tremble exceedingly, I, I, my thought is that maybe that's not like out of fear, quake and tremble, but maybe she's just overcome with the power of God, um, that his human frame just can't really handle it, and that's just my own opinion. That's not doctrinal, but I just have always been, you know curious about those kind of things in scripture and i think that sometimes um we can get the wrong impression by of um of the meaning of um of some of these things because of the way that they spoke and the way that it's interpreted and you know i don't know so uh okay so Let's continue on. He he returned to his house in verse seven and cast himself on his bed. He says he's overcome with the spirit of of the and the things which he'd seen. So he's completely overcome, which makes sense. I mean, we've just kind of seen a had a visitation, um, and some kind of spiritual uh, visitation. And in verse eight, now we have another spiritual thing. This is kind of an interesting thing to me. Like, why didn't he see this? before in this visitation in in the pillar of fire you know i don't i really don't know but um he's overcome with the spirit it says in verse 8 that he's carried away in a vision even that he saw the heavens open and he thought he saw god sitting on his upon his throne surrounded with numberless concourses of angels in the attitude of singing and praising their god in verse 9 um he saw one descending and the one is capitalized so this is jesus christ he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven and he beheld that his luster was above that of the sun at noonday okay and in verse 10 he saw 12 others following him and their brightness did exceed that of the stars in the firmament okay so um verse 11 they came down and went forth on the face of the earth and the first came and stood before my father and gave unto him a book and bade him that he should read so um now, I don't know if this is the first, meaning the one, Jesus Christ, or if this is the first of the twelve that came. But they, whoever it was gave him a book and, and asked him to read it. 
And that's interesting too. I mean, he's seeing this all in a vision. Someone comes down, gives him a book, read this. Um, and I think we, we get a lot of things from books. We get, we, I mean, we, the books can be holy and, and, and I don't know if this is intended to be the book of Mormon or if this is intended to be some other kind of scripture, um, or just something unique to him, um, prophecies of the future. I don't know because it says, um, as he read in verse 12, as he read, he was filled with the spirit of the Lord and he read saying, woe, woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. Yea, and many more, and many things did my father read concerning Jerusalem. So this is, I guess this is a book of prophecy about uh, Jerusalem. And uh, it says that it should be destroyed, and the inhabitants thereof, many should be perished by the sword, and many should be carried away captive into Babylon. So now Lehi is, is having a prophetic experience. He is now seeing a vision of prophecy of what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And he's now receiving his prophetic calling um, from God, uh, like Jeremiah must have. You know, many other prophets, prophets must have. He's seen a vision of what's going to happen. Okay, so in 14, he, um, after he had seen uh, many great and marvelous things he did exclaim many things unto God such as great and marvelous are like thy works O Lord God Almighty thy throne is high in the heavens and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth and because thou art merciful thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish now here's a couple of interesting things because he's seen he's seeing or reading about these this destruction um, of Jerusalem but it seems to not fill him with any kind of dread or fear, but with gratitude and hope and happiness. I mean, he sees, he says, he reads these things, and then his conclusion is, God is merciful because he will not suffer those who come unto him that they shall perish. So he's seeing the the um, prophecies and the and the. Um, the destruction and the, all of that as a warning voice like hey this is going to happen to you but but if you will repent and come back to me i can protect you i can save you i can keep you from doing that. and th that would have happened um jeremiah warned king um uh, zedekiah of the destruction coming and he could have listened and taken heed and and god would have uh, protected them and save them. A lot of times these things that we read in scripture in, in I mean you think about like in the book of Revelation, it's all, you know, <laughs> destruction and and um you know, chaos and and hellfire and damnation kind of a thing, but they're not things that are these are these must happen. Now I mean in the book of Revelation, you know, the those things will happen, but a lot of times these these um, prophecies that we read about and we hear about and the, from the prophets they're they're not from God they're not like um, mandated from God they're not these things are going to happen to you it's th these things will happen to you if you don't repent if you don't come to me and I will protect you from these things they're not meant to be a um, threat although it does often feel that they are it does, and I think that there's a tone sometimes in, 
in scripture that can feel very threatening and angry and and that that can be a hard thing but i don't think that they're meant to be interpreted that way i think that they're meant to be interpreted hopefully that that god that god is offering mercy and saying look these things are coming but please come to me i will protect you i will save you we can avoid these things um so that's the the message there from lehi that he takes is that yeah all of this stuff is coming from babylon and into jerusalem if but if they will repent god will save them and spare them and they don't have to experience those things so um so nephi just he he says i will in 816 i do not make a full account of the things which my father um hath written so he he doesn't this isn't the whole story but this is just he's summarizing he's giving us a little bit of of what he uh of what he experienced or what he saw so so lehi received his prophetic calling and in verse 18 it says that um he went forth among the people and began to prophesy and to declare unto them concerning the things which he had both seen and heard. So now Lehi is joining the the, the prophetic party, right? He's 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 becoming like um, like Jeremiah, and he's jumping into the fray and he's beginning to prophesy and tell him the, the things that he's heard and seen. And this is man, what a challenging calling. Although he has he has experienced something incredibly powerful and profound and i think that that would carry him through a lot of this stuff but but he it can it says in verse 19 that um the jews did mock him because of the things which he testified of them uh so they they began to to mock him um and it says uh he they mock him uh, he, he truly testified of their wickedness and their abominations. He testified that the things which he saw and heard and which he read in the book manifested plainly of the coming of a Messiah and also the redemption of the world. So, um, they, uh, one of the things that he, one of the main things that he starts to prophesy about or testify about is, is the coming of the Messiah the coming of jesus um and uh and they 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 do not like this now there's a lot and i don't understand nearly as well as as many many people do but but i uh in the jewish history and culture obviously um those of the jewish faith today um or, or throughout throughout since since the coming of christ have have largely and mostly not um accepted jesus as that messiah right um and have but but we in the christian world that's that's our hinge point that we believe the same things coming up through we believe the old testament we we read in the old testament and we and we believe those things to be true um we believe in uh, uh in 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 very similar things but it's that moment that kind of becomes a separator be- between the, the jewish and christian um, faiths um that we believe that jesus christ was that messiah who came um and we 
we believe in 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 the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints uh, and uh, that the scriptures the old testament that they testified of jesus christ and and they um there there's that they spoke symbolically and um and poetically uh and that they that when christ came uh that he fit those prophecies and that he um was indeed the messiah is indeed the messiah um and that those are the things that that um that lehi was testifying about and and they did not like that and i don't know if i think that if you've ever experienced kind of like a culture that is very um uh well i i would say all of us have experienced a, a culture it, it's it's difficult to um to change a culture and 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 whenever you go in and you start talking about things that are very uh, religiously held beliefs, uh, and this doesn't have to be religious beliefs. I'm talking about beliefs that have become religious in nature. Um, it you receive a lot of pushback, a lot of. I mean, um, I'm trying to find one that will be a safer um, example to talk about. I mean. Oh, I think over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of uh, beliefs that have been challenged in the in the world that uh, are very religiously held onto. Uh, like a lot of, so I started doing a lot of research on health a number of years ago because my health wasn't good, and I was especially seeking to understand mental health issues. And I, I found a number of doctors who are just brilliant and wonderful and amazing um who were considered um i don't know outcast in their own community essentially because they were challenging beliefs that have been held on to for such a long time and it was amazing the amount of ridicule and and um kind of hatred that that some people will receive even today i mean you know certainly surrounding all of the COVID stuff I mean depending on what side of the situation you fall on and, and what your beliefs are there um, you, you can really strike a nerve with a lot of people depending on what you say because people are very religiously um, uh, they 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 it, it has become dogmatic well it's become um, it, it's a conditioned response you know we we become conditioned to believe a lot of different things and if we don't challenge those things um or really question them sometimes so sometimes um we hold on to those things for emotional reasons rather than um spiritual conversion or or i mean that in this in the case of like a spiritual thing but like um or rather than because we've rigorously examined or questioned that belief and we came to a certain conclusion because we believed that it was correct and it, all the evidence was pointing to its you know its correctness and i think that 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 was probably true here in in judah in in you know jerusalem as much as anywhere else where 
they had very strict beliefs and when somebody came into the world and or in, and started shaking things up and started testifying of a of a messiah and the redemption of the world and it was changing the way that it was challenging the way that they um the things that they believed it, they they were angry so in verse 20 um when the jews heard these things they were angry with him yea even as with the prophets of old whom they had cast out and stoned and slain and they also sought his life that they might take it away um and so lehi now becomes an enemy of uh, the the people, or of at least those who um, who were holding on to um, traditional ideas, or what had become traditional um, ideas. And I don't know if anybody has watched The Chosen, but um, I think that it kind of portrays some of the intricate intricate sort of um, interplay of politics and um, culture and how some people can become so zealous in any one cause even something that is supposed to be a very righteous and good thing um, can become it, it can become a source of pride and and become a stumbling block for them and and I think that that's what Lehi experienced here, that these people who were supposed to be the religious leaders of the day, the, this 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 people, the, the Jewish people um, in Jerusalem at this time were supposed to be the chosen people of God. And here they were, somebody testifying of of Messiah of a Messiah, and and they were angry and enough to want to kill him. So um, that is kind of First Nephi chapter one. That's that's our chapter one. But it ends the, here, and, and this is what I want to end with. Uh, the, that last verse, verse twenty, says, "But behold, I Nephi will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom He hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance." Um, now, and, and not everyone experienced deliverance. Jeremiah did not, I don't believe. Um, you know, some Joseph Smith didn't. You know, some people are, you know, you know, don't don't experience that deliverance, but they do certainly um, spiritually. Now, when I say that, now I want to check myself because I think that there's become a a um, a sort of habit in our culture to glorify the suffering and the pain and we, and I think it's because we don't sometimes we don't experience that like I just said sometimes we don't experience the deliverance and we don't experience all that um, and we don't want people to lose faith if they pray for something and then they don't get it well I didn't I prayed that God would deliver me from my pain and my trials and he didn't and so God doesn't li- exist and he, or he doesn't love me or whatever and it's easy to come to those conclusions. But at the same time, I do think that, you know, so, so I see why people are, well, are now like quicker to talk about how, when things don't work out because we want to keep um, encouraging ourselves and, and each other to hold on even when things are tough. So definitely, I, I think that's an important message. But also, 
God does deliver. Sometimes. At least sometimes. And, and, and we develop our faith by when we believe that he will. And we kind of tear down our faith a little bit. Or what I would say is that we, we sort of cultivate an expectation of struggling and an expectation that God won't deliver us when that's all we ever talk about. So I think it's important that we talk more and more about his deliverance because he does deliver and he always delivers eventually at least. And he always will deliver if we have faith in him. He will always deliver us spiritually at least. And, and, and so we need to be able to expect that he's going to deliver us. And that's what Nephi is saying here. Through all of this, even though Lehi, he's accepted the prophetic call and he's going out and he's preaching repentance to the people and they're, they've rejected him and they want to kill him. He's, you know, it's a challenging experience, that situation. But Nephi says, nonetheless, the tender mercies of the Lord are over. They were with us, right? And they, and he delivered us. And so there are a few little tidbits there that we can look at, um, you know, that there are tender mercies throughout all of this. You know, Lehi had an incredible spiritual experience, was able to commune with God, speak with him, um, be filled with his spirit and his love. And, and so then, and then he's, he wants to remind us that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all of those who have faith in him, essentially. When we have faith, we have access to God's tender mercies. And we can see those in little moments um, or big moments, or sometimes they're really obvious and sometimes they're not. But I think that they're always there, and I'm not always very good at seeing them or finding them. Because I think it's it can be really different, difficult to... Um, to have that kind of an attitude or you're always looking for the positive but it can also be very beneficial if we learn how to and and it can turn a challenging experience into a beautiful one um so there's a there's a little bit there um that there's uh, first nephi chapter one and we'll go further on and you know, continue on in chapter two and and see what um happens as lehi has become this prophet who is now hated and who uh, the people are trying to kill. What happens next? What about these tender mercies? What about this deliverance? So um, remember, God loves you. Jesus lives and he uh, is your savior, knows you individually and personally, and has saved you individually and personally, and wants to hear from you in prayer. And uh, so remember, remember his love, remember his love.